watch you step in. All right, so glad you're here, and this is going to be another good time. And um, one of the reasons is, as I mentioned last month, as we started 2024, that I wanted to go through the, the 12 months of the 12 disciples and look at all of their, the, the 12 guys and their lives and see what we can learn from them, because those kind of guys we still talk about today, but they had unique experiences and tremendous leadership stuff. So I want to go through that as well, but I want to tell you that you look good. I drove up today, it's so cold, and I said, I wonder if anybody would be here. And, uh, and, and I'm telling you, not only are you here, but the good-looking ones are here. So uh, thank you for looking so good. I hope you get a photo afterwards and do some other stuff as well, okay? Um, let me jump right in today, okay? Last month we talked about one of the first disciples, and his name we said was Andrew. And we talked about Andrew being the quiet leader. Do you remember when Jesus chose leaders? All of them were different, but we said that not every, not every leader is loud and, and outgoing and assertive. Uh, I remember one time years ago, there was a gentleman that invited me to, uh, to come speak at his company. He said, I want you to come be my keynote speaker at my company. We're going to meet down in Florida at Captiva Island. And I said, sure. And we worked it out. And Debbie and I went there, and he's a very quiet guy. When he talked, he whispered like this right here. He never talked loud, and he was not assuming. So... Debbie said, well, what's his business? I said, I don't know. I said, I think he's pretty successful. I knew he'd given a lot to a particular college. And I said, so I think he's, he's doing well. We got there. The whole hotel was packed. It was his employees. He had companies in every single state. I mean, all 50 states. Thousands of people there. And I'm, this guy's the most unassuming fella. And I'm saying, unbelievable. He told me how he hired people. I thought that was pretty cool. He said, the way I hire people is, he said, and I never get it wrong. He said, rarely get it wrong. He said, if I'm in a restaurant and the waitress is real good and she seems to know her job, I always say, let me give you my card. And if you're ever looking for a job, call me. He said, if I'm getting good service somewhere, let me give you my card. If you're looking for a job, call me. He said, when I see eagles out there, I give them my card. He said, you'll be amazed how many cards I, I get responded to. People call, hey, you met me three years ago and I'm looking for a job. And that's how he did it. Funny thing is, when I spoke, he pulled up a little chair, and he sat beside me, and the whole time I spoke to this crowd, he would whisper, that's good, stay on that. And then he'd go, oh, move on, we got that one. Oh, that's good. And he just, one time he said, pull up and park, you know, just, just pull up and park. And they don't even know what he's saying, but I remember thinking, leaders come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, they're not all the big, loud, walk in the room, the lights go up. This little guy, you would never know if he walked in the room that he could own the room. And so that helped me to learn more about leadership. But as I look at the 12 disciples, all of them are unique and different. Andrew was the quiet one. Uh, he was strong, courageous, but very low-key. And the reason that I think we don't hear much about Andrew is because he lived in the shadow of a brother named Peter. Now, Peter's the loud one. Peter's the outspoken one. In fact, we say Andrew's the quiet leader. Today, I'm going to talk about Peter. Peter is the outspoken leader. Peter's his brother. When Andrew found Jesus, first thing he did is he went and got his big brother and, and brought him to him and said, we found the Messiah, and that was the start. And that's how we heard of him. But when we look at Peter, most of us know about him. So I'm going to give you a few things about him and then look at some takeaways that I hope that you can apply to your life or at least be able to know when something goes in your life, you can say, that was it. And these moments to me mean the world. I, I can't tell you the times, uh, there, there's a guy, you know, a guy in our church, named, a guy named Tim Johnson, somebody may know, 
I remember Tim said, one day, Bill, I'm riding down the road. I'm on my way to Atlanta. I've got a dream in my heart. He said, and, and I was listening to your CD. He carries it everywhere he goes now. And he says, and I, I pulled over. said, that's what I need. He called home and quit his job. He started a company. About a year later, he profited, I think it was $50 million the first year and 100 the second. And the company just kept growing. Wound up on the Forbes uh, list of, uh, of private businesses. And, and when I met him, he came up to me in a restaurant. You won't believe this. I was just riding on the road listening to the statement. This changed me. And he says, I carry it with me everywhere I go. And so I believe that maybe today, I'm praying that today something may, may make a shift for you. Maybe a defining moment. Maybe something you say, that's exactly what I needed. I'm good. And by the way, I've always said in speaking, if you ever get a word and that's the word you've got to act on, I mean, you just say, I've got to hear it. I just say, right then, I want you to do something. Just jump up where you are and just let me know with a thumb and walk out. Yeah. I've always said we're preaching. If, if, if I'm preaching, if, if right in the introduction you say, hey, that's what I pray for, just get up and leave. Go act on what you hear, okay? I'd rather look out and nobody else be there and see one guy and say, did you ever get it? You know, how long are we going to be here? Then, to, then nobody applied. So let's look at, look at Peter for just a moment. What do we know about him? We know a number of things. We know his name is always listed first. Whenever he's mentioned in the Bible, his name above every other disciple is always first. Now, he wasn't the first disciple. Andrew was. But he seemed to be the best known of all. He stood out among the crowd. He was a spokesperson of the group. When Peter spoke, he spoke for all of them. The others would be quiet, but Peter was the one always opening his mouth. Sometimes we say he opened his mouth. He stood on one foot while he put the other one in his mouth. But he always had something to say. He was the first person that asked this question. Um, how many times do we forgive somebody if they offend us? He was the first one that asked the question when they walked by a fig tree that was cursed. Jesus, tell me about that tree. He was the first person that asked Jesus one time privately. When we get to heaven, let's talk about the rewards. He was the first person who suggested when Judas hung himself, we got to get a replacement. We got to find Matthias or somebody to replace him. Peter was the spokesman for the group. He was outspoken. If it was on his mind, it came out of his mouth, okay? That's what we know about him. Peter was married, by the way. Not, most of the disciples were not married. Peter was married. We know that because the Bible says Jesus healed his mother-in-law. My assumption is any man that'd get a mother-in-law not get a wife would be a fool. So, so obviously he was married. Uh, Jesus changed his name one time. His name, when he first met Jesus, his name was, uh, he came up to him and, and when he said, I'm Simon, Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, but we're going to change your name to Cephas, the rock. Now, he does a play on words. We forget because we hear preachers sometimes that are just mad or had a bad day and they're spitting fire. And I'm not one of those. I'm a teacher. So I'm going to tell you some things we don't see. Jesus had a sense of humor. He played a little play on rock, a little a word play with the word rock to, to Peter. When he said to Peter, he said, your name is Peter. The word there is Petros, a Greek word that means Little Rock. The capital of Arkansas would be Petros, Little Rock. He's saying, you are Peter, you're Little Rock. He said, and upon this rock I'll build my church. And the word he used there for rock was a different word. It was the word Petra. It means big rock. It means boulder. What Jesus said was, he's kind of like with a wink in his eye, he said, hey, your name is Peter, Little Rock. And upon this rock I'll build my church upon this boulder, upon me. He's saying the church wasn't built on Peter, it's built on me. And, and he made that play on words. If you don't know that, you just think, well, what was that language about? 
He's basically saying, Peter, you're going to be great, but you're a pebble in comparison, okay? Now, by the way, he named it, that's kind of a nickname, The Rock, okay? We like to talk about Dwayne Johnson being The Rock. Simon Peter was the original Rock, okay? That's who the, okay, and Jesus named him that. Now, there's, there's a couple of things we learn about his life. Let me give them quickly, okay? Number one, Peter's faith. Peter's faith. When we first find Peter, he is the son of a successful fishing uh, man, and he has a good business. And when he's in the fishing industry, he's doing well. Life's going that way. You know, he's making his money. He's catching his fish. He's known in the community, well-respected, still outspoken. And one day Jesus comes along when Andrew finds him and says, uh, go, go get my brother Peter. And he went and got him and brought him. We found him aside, and he starts following him. And now those boys leave everything to follow Jesus. They walk away. You know what faith is? Faith is walking in the dark, or walking in the light as far as you can, then taking another step in the dark. Faith is believing what God said, even when you don't understand, but you just act on it. Faith is knowing down in your heart, this is the better deal. This is the higher calling. This is the right way. Imagine this, he's got a comfortable life in the community as a fisherman, and now he's going to walk away from all of that and follow Jesus. Now that sounds good, but do you know people that have done that? You ever met people that say they walked away? I can think of many people that have. I'll give you an illustration of a guy sitting here today, he's sitting in the floor back there. But he's thinking he's the most humble servant you'll meet in this room. His name is Scott Dykes. Scott was a businessman, very successful. Actually, Scott had roofing companies, and he sold more, more material than they do out of Lowe's and Home Depot and everywhere else than anybody around for what he did. And he felt a call. Brent called him one day, and Brent was asking me, he said, Bill, Dad, I just feel like Scott Dykes is my guy. i got to get his administrator. And uh, I sort of asked him. He said, you know Scott ain't going to come. Dad, he's got more business. He's the biggest guy in Alabama. I said, ask him. And so Brent went and asked him, and Scott said, you know, I've been thinking about that. When Scott got along with God and God confirmed it, he gave away two and a half million dollars in business already on the books. That's how much money he already had coming in. And he turned around and called some others in the business, said, I want to give you this business. Here, here's you 100,000, here's you 100,000. And he gave that away and stepped into a role not knowing there was any guarantee or anything to step into this role. That was what Peter did. And now we look at Scott, he makes decisions around here all the time and handles the big numbers and the big zeros. And, and uh, he'll tell you, this tired, man, it's a lot of work. He said, it was a lot easier where I was. He said, there's a whole lot of, you're spinning plates all the time. But he's where he was called. And I'm telling you, not everybody knows, but if you ever get a chance to act by faith, uh, and, and I say do it, you'll get faith or fear, you'll get... Should I, should I not? But if you know, if down deep in your heart you know what you should do, I'd rather live a life of trying than a life of regrets. And so I suggest to you, do like Peter, step out. He was one of the inner circle. He was one of the inner three of Jesus. In fact, Peter's the only one that he, re Jesus rebuked Peter before. You remember that? Peter said to him, uh, Jesus said, I'm going to the cross. Peter said, not so, Lord. Now, that's a stupid thing. You can't say that, Okay. You can't say not so, Lord. If he's Lord, you can't say no, okay? And that's the oxymoron. I have a friend that always says, include me out. I say, stop saying that. It messes up my wiring in my head. Include means get in. Out is that. I can't, I, you know, that, that don't make sense. 
And so, the, you know, when he says, not so, Lord, he rebuked him. But, you know, Peter rebuked Jesus. I mean, Jesus, Jesus rebuked him. Peter rebuked him, Jesus back at times. Uh, he, Peter was a unique guy, but he stood firmly on his beliefs. He stood outspoken. He was bold. He was unflinching. 99% of the time, Peter was right, and he didn't mind who he had to stand against to do it. And I say this to you. Um, he spoke about his faith. In your life, in business and work and your life, you're going to be tested at times. Some of you are going to be tested with your ethics. Some of you are going to be tested in, in what you do. You know, if, is it right or wrong? And, and you're going to sometimes have to stand alone. And Peter did. But you're going to have to do that. I got another friend that I know that I think about. I love this guy. Um, his name was Cecil Hathaway. Many years ago, Cecil Hathaway came to me. He, he, Cecil had an expertise in printing. There, wasn't, there was hardly any machine that he wasn't the pro on. So they would bring him in just to do work on their printing stuff. And he was invited to a job in West Point. A lot of money. He was the only guy that could do it at that time. And he was getting ready to do the job, and then he found out they wanted him to print. They were going to be the new supplier for Penthouse Magazine, a girly magazine. And Cecil said, uh-uh, I, I got three daughters. He said, I'm not using my gifts to print pornographic material. And the boss said, do you know how much money we pay you? He said, do you know how little I care? And they said, well, if you don't do this job, you'll be fired. And he said, I got a better idea. I'll quit. And he walked away. And that was 20 years ago. And to this day, he's done great life. And I'll say him every then. I said, do you ever look back regret? He said, best decision I ever made. Best. And no, no, didn't think. That's standing alone. That's standing up. That's saying, that's my value. And that's my courage. And I draw the line right there. And that's what Peter did. That's what we, we can learn from as well. He stood alone. Second thing I'll tell you quickly about him is this. There was Peter's failure. Peter's faith was he was bold. Peter's faith was he left everything and followed God. But he had a failure. Sometimes the, the greatest talent can run so wide open and then they can still fall. I had a, a ton of friends when I started in ministry that we all came out together. And, uh, and I was the one everybody thought would fail, by the way. We were in seminary one day, and I remember a professor stood there and said, let me tell you something, only, only three out of 10 make it over 10 years in ministry. He said they'll quit. Pressure's too hard. Critics are too much. Uh, everybody's, at, all, you're living in a glass house. You'll never make it. He said, I want all of you to turn around at the table and see who you think will be those, those, those uh, seven that don't make it. And everybody at that table turned to me. And I was like, there are others around here, you know. But they thought because I, didn't, I wasn't raised as a little church boy that I wouldn't make it because I, you know, I was different. I hate to say this, but today out of about 15 of us, there's probably only two of us that still made it. The others fail with money or most time it's always a women or something like that. And it grieves me to think that they didn't finish well. The goal of your life's got to be to finish well. That's got to be the goal. Above, how do I finish? Not where I am now, but how do I finish? And, and then I look at Peter's life, and Peter did what a lot of good people did. He messed up. There came a day that he had what we call peer pressure. He was standing there at the cross, and he was watching Jesus be crucified. They said, do you know him? And three times, he said, no, I don't. And he denied the only one that always supported him. He denied the only one that's ever been loyal to him, but he denied him. And three times he did it. I'm not sure if it's, sometimes we call it peer pressure. Peer pressure may be just 
fear pressure. It may be more fear pressure than peer pressure, but he was afraid. And when he failed, he went out ashamed. And he felt himself unqualified. That was his failure. Now, I can tell you some things that led up to it. Uh, some of the things that led up to it, real quickly, I'll, I'll just give you was, there came a time you can listen to his tone and mark. He became self-confident. He, he began to say, if everybody else fails you, yeah, I won't. I'll stand in here with you, Lord, right to the very end. And there's a, there's a part of that where we got to say, if it weren't for the grace of God, there go I. I could be there. I could be at the same place. I could be right in that ditch with that wino just like anybody else. I'm no better than anybody else. I got the same temptation. We all have to stop and acknowledge we can fail. And Peter felt a little too confident then. He also, the Bible says, he followed Jesus from afar. When the pressure came, he sort of stepped back. He didn't want to be necessarily associated with him then. And there's a danger of not wanting to be associated with somebody because you, you're afraid that um, people might judge you. I think you ought to be associated with people because you love them. And, and um, who you hang out with has a lot to do with how far you go. He, he ran around with the wrong crowd around that time, and that's why he was denying Christ. He even denied knowing him. He cursed to show that he wasn't of Jesus. He cursed and swore just to show, I'm not like him. And what he didn't realize is that that moment, his testimony took a hit. He might... He, he didn't lose his salvation, but Peter lost a lot of influence. He could have stood and said, yes, that's my friend, and what they're doing is wrong. He could have stood up, but he didn't. And when he didn't, he felt shame, and he felt guilt, and he felt remorse, and he felt unworthy, and so that was his failure. But now let me tell you this. Here's the third thing i tell you. I mentioned his faith, and there's failure. There's Peter's finish. Even though he had denied him, what's beautiful in this story is that Jesus, when he was resurrected, came back and he said, go get my disciples and Peter. He said, get the disciples and Peter. And, and I'm glad he said and Peter because he was saying, Peter probably doesn't feel like he's worthy anymore. And I got to include him so he knows, yes, he failed, but failure doesn't have to be final or fatal. Yes, he failed, but I want him back. And, and folks, there is something wonderful about people that will stand with you when you've failed, that will support you when you're at the bottom, that when nobody else believes in you, they say, I'm with you, I've still got you, I'm still there. And that's what Jesus was saying to Peter was, even though you failed, I'm going to restore you. You ever messed up? You ever blown it before? You ever, been, you ever been so ashamed that you didn't want to walk out your door because you thought, people will see me and they will attach what I've done to, to me. And i got to live in that kind of shame. Especially if you've got to live in the same city or among the same place or go to the same work. You know what it's like to feel like you want to hide? I can imagine that kind of shame. And yet, can you imagine how grateful they are that Jesus would say, I love you and I forgive you and you're okay with me. And you're not, I didn't diminish you in my eyes. He restored him. He sought him out and restored him. Later, what's beautiful about it is we look at him. Peter Spoke one day, 3,000 people gave their life to God. What if he'd have never been restored? Uh, Peter wrote, wrote two books of the Bible we read about. If you want to read about the last days, by the way, Second Peter has a lot to do with the last days and the end times. We wouldn't have those had Jesus not restored him. If you look at uh, a majority of the things that we know about the gospel, the great disciple, the great guy of faith, the giant of the faith was Peter. And so what it tells me is this, even in your setback, God can give you a comeback. No matter how far you've gone, God will take you back. I always believe you're not finished when, when you fail. You're finished when you don't fight back. When, when, you, when you say, okay, I quit, when it's over. That's when 
that when you don't want to go any further, that's when you fail. But as long as you've got something that says, I'll try again, I'll get back up, that's what's going to I remember years ago watching a guy named Ernest, most uncoordinated human being I ever met in my life. And we were at a particular camp, and Ernest wanted to skate. And Ernest is a grown man, been in the Navy. He's out there on skates, and he'd fall. Bam, bam, bam. And we would say, Ernest, just get up, just quit. Skating's not for you. He'd take another step. Wham, bam. He left piles of sweat all over that thing. And there were people just saying, Bill, go get him. People, we were telling him, stop him, stop him. Finally, we all went to lunch. About 4 o'clock that afternoon, they started coming and getting us. Hey, we were all down by the lake. Ernest is skating. And we all go running up there. And that old geezer is moving around, and he's not holding on the wall. Six hours, he just wham, get back, wham. Get. And I remember that was the day I said, man, if I ever had a place for Ernest on my team, I'd hire that guy in a minute. He won't quit. He, he was going to go and go and go if he broke every bone in his body. Well, that was what I love about Peter was Peter went on and kept going. Here's the final thing I'll tell you about Peter that I say is probably the most important thing ever about his life. If I look at Peter's whole life and I say, what is, what's the most important thing that he ever brought to life? It's this one right here, hands down. One day Jesus was sitting around with him after he'd been with him for three years. And he looked at him and he said this question. He said, uh, who do men say that I am? And, um, and some of them said, well, they think that you're Elijah or Moses or one of the prophets. And the Bible says he turned to Peter and he said, who do you say I am? He asked Peter the question, I don't, what, regardless of what they think, I want to know what you think, Peter. And Peter gave the brightest answer. He may have said some dumb things before, but this was the best. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Peter. He said, no one revealed that to you but God. You got the truth. You know it now. And that's the best thing. Peter declared who he was and knew it. And I say this to you as we learn about his lessons. You're going to, I hope you'll have faith to obey God in your life. Uh, well, no matter what, how big, what, if you know God challenges you, I hope you'll do it. I hope you'll know if you fail. Don't live and wallow in that. Pick up, go on, come back to God. No matter how far you come, you come back to him. He will receive you. And your finish can be great. But the biggest thing you've got to answer is that question. Who do you say that Jesus Christ is? You see, 100 years from now, it's not going to matter what you wore, what you drove, how many degrees you got, how much money you got in the bank or in the stocks. It's not going to matter who you knew in life, how many people you have on your social media account that are your friends. None of that's going to matter when we draw our last breath. The only thing that matters is the answer to that one question, who is Jesus? And so I ask you to ask yourself today, do you believe he's the son of God that lived a sinless life, that came to this earth, loved us, gave his life for us, shed his blood so that we could have a relationship with God and we can know God, not just know about God, but know God, have a relationship with him that, that is fulfilling so that you're never alone. Even in your lowest, he's with you. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you can then have forgiveness. And that's what, that's what I challenge you to do. I want to pray with you for just a moment, and then Haley's going to come and we'll wrap it up, okay? Father, thank you for everyone that is here today. And Lord, I am grateful for what you do in our lives and for the direction you give us. And Lord, I pray that today that you'll, you'll give to every person under the sound of my voice. I pray that you'll give them a peace and an assurance that you're going to watch over their life and guide their steps. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you a simple question. If you're here today and you say, Bill, I, 
I don't know that I've ever asked Jesus that in my life. I've never asked Him to forgive me of my sins. I know I need to, but I, I've just not done that yet. But if you in your heart say, but I need to and I want to, I know that what's missing in my life is that God's not in the first place. And I'm going to ask you to do something. No one's looking around just between me, you, and God. But I'd ask you today, if you want to ask Him in your life, will you pray this in your heart and mean it to God? Here's a prayer I'll lead you in. Just say, dear God, Thank you for loving me enough to send your son. I believe that Jesus Christ came to this earth, lived a sinless life, and that he died for my sins on the cross. I believe he rose from the grave, and I ask you to come into my heart, forgive me, fill me with your spirit, and save my soul today. I thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. If you prayed that prayer, no one looking around, just between us, would you just slip your hand right up and right back down? I promise you, I'll never call you out or embarrass you. I just want to acknowledge. God bless you. Anybody else? Just right up and then right back down. God bless you. I see it. Best decision you ever made. I'd encourage you to do something. As you walk out, if you want to know more information, there's a guy over here on the side named Bobby John. You just let him know. I prayed that prayer. We'll help you get started, okay? Father, thank you for everyone here. Bless them with health in 2024. Bless their marriages and their lives. Cause some of those that need a spouse to find them. Lord, give them the job they need where they can be fulfilled and fruitful. And Father, I pray you'll give health and blessing and favor to everyone here in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.